You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This course is from our International Catholic University Classics Collection, originally recorded between 1995 and 2005. The course that you are about to hear is called Philosophy Serves Theology. My name is Benedict Ashley. I am an emeritus professor of Aquinas Institute of Theology in St. Louis, and at present I am teaching in the Center for Healthcare Ethics at St. Louis University. For a good many years, I have taught philosophy and theology. As a member of the Dominican Order, we are very proud of two of the greatest philosophers and theologians in the church, St. Thomas Aquinas and his teacher, Albert the Great. But my experience has been in teaching students in philosophy that they wonder why they have to go through this rather esoteric and, for some, a rather boring and difficult subject, philosophy, when what they're really interested in is theology, knowing about God and God's love for his people. Consequently, I have made this course precisely because I hope that it will lead you to see that philosophy is very important to your right understanding of theology. Many students of theology don't realize this until they have completed their theological course. And then they begin to say, why didn't I pay a little more attention to philosophy? If you understand why you're studying philosophy, you will be able to carry out what Vatican II advised, and that is that philosophy be closely related to theology. Now, as you know, theology is about God as he reveals himself. God is indeed mysterious, far beyond the capacity of the human mind to know him. And yet, because he is a God of wisdom and love who created us, he wants us to know him. And he has made himself known in his creation as well as in his word, in revelation. And we need to be open to that revelation of God in the created world the world that we live in every day, that we see and hear and taste and touch, if we are going to really understand his word. God knows that he has to reveal himself in the terms of human experience. Otherwise, we would not know what that word means. That is why he became 
human in Jesus Christ. But also, even Jesus himself had to speak our human language. And that human language is drawn from human experience, from things that we understand and deal with every day. And so we need to sharpen our reason if we are to hear God's word. St. Anselm defined theology as faith-seeking understanding. Faith-seeking understanding. To understand the word of God, we need to bring it down, as it were, and enflesh it incarnated in our experience. And that is why the study of secular learning is necessary to the understanding of sacred learning. Pope John Paul II has emphasized this very recently. He has written an encyclical called Fides et Ratio, faith and reason to explain why it is that faith needs reason for understanding and also for communication. The faith has been given to us as a gift that we must communicate to others. It's a truth they need for their lives. Yet we cannot communicate to our times unless we know how to express that faith in words and symbols and arguments that fit our culture. So some people define theology, the role of theology, by saying that its task is to interpret the Word of God to our culture. Now that's not all theology does. Theology not only interprets the Word of God to our culture, it also defends it and promotes it and argues for it and communicates it to our culture because the Word of God is sometimes countercultural, and it doesn't quite fit the categories of what we see on television and hear on radio. It also is intended to help us in our prayer, in our learning to come closer to Jesus himself. And so reason plays a role in our understanding of the faith in many ways. And John Paul II emphasizes that fact. He points out that in recent years, there has been a tendency to play down reason, to say that after all, everything we say and everything we hear is just propaganda. It all has a hidden agenda that covers up certain interest groups that are trying to sell their product. And consequently, truth is not possible for the human mind. That's an old idea. 
In the days of the Greek philosophers, there were the sophists who taught that there is no truth except what is accepted by the crowd. What people accept is the truth, and what they accept is largely the result of people who know how to manipulate them and to persuade them to form public opinion. That's an old idea, and perhaps it applies more to our age than ever when we have such a huge communication industry and we have such clever people using the media to sell. But truth is possible to the human mind because God made us for truth. And to say that we cannot arrive at truth is an insult to the God of truth who wants us to know the world truly, to know ourselves, and to come to Him. Now, when the Pope speaks of reason, we mustn't think of that merely as something abstract and academic, a mere rationalism, which attempts to begin with a few axioms and then deduce the world from those axioms. Not at all. By reason he means the whole scope of the human mind working by its own powers. Theology goes beyond that. Theology enters the area of grace where God himself elevates our mind so that we can understand things that are not possible to us by our mere human powers. Reason, however, includes all those things that we can know by our human powers. The Pope also emphasizes that the role of philosophy is especially to deal with those things that those answers to ultimate questions, the search for a worldview, and a search to know what are the really important things in life that we need to seek and strive after. He emphasizes the ultimate questions, because those questions often do not get asked. We may study almost any subject in the world, and sometimes we know a great deal about its details. The questions are not even raised about what is ultimate in that field. What is the final truth that is to be sought? And the Pope emphasizes that since theology deals with ultimates, it deals with our ultimate destiny, where we are going with our lives. So philosophy is important because on the level of reason and human experience, it deals with ultimate questions. We're going to see in the course of these lectures that the kind of thought that deals with ultimate questions on the rational level is what is called metaphysics. And many people identify that with philosophy. 
When they think of philosophy, they think of metaphysics. And they have questions whether that kind of knowledge is even possible. Whether it is possible by reason to think about where the universe came from and what the ultimate destiny of the human being is and what is right and wrong, what is true. These are ultimate questions and many people that in fact metaphysics is possible because it strives to deal with those questions and those two questions, they say, are too hard for the human mind, too hard for any finite mind. We're going to talk about metaphysics later. In my view of philosophy, metaphysics is not where we begin. Metaphysics is where we end in philosophy. There is much that has to be seen and understood before we come to that question of metaphysics. Now, one difficulty which comes up repeatedly today is what the term philosophy precisely means when it is contrasted to the other disciplines taught in a university. There was a time when philosophy had a leading place in our universities. There are not many schools where that is true any longer. The philosophy department is often rather marginalized in American universities. And the number of students who take it are not very many. The reason for that is because a long time ago, but not as long as we might think, in the 1700s, a split developed between science and philosophy. Before that period, the term philosophy had a very broad sense. It covered all of the field of human knowledge that we have been talking about. Mathematics was philosophy, engineering was philosophy, medicine was philosophy. Every subject now taught in the university would have been thought of as a different branch of philosophy. Philosophy was contrasted only with theology. Theology dealt with revelation from God. Philosophy dealt with any kind of knowledge that comes from human experience and is achieved by human reason. But in the 1700s, as modern science rose and became more dominant, for reasons that we are going to talk about later, this divorce between science and the sciences and the arts on the one hand and philosophy, on the other hand, took place. Philosophy was confined mainly to metaphysics, about which I have spoken, to logic, and to ethics. And these subjects were thought of as very subjective in character. After all, who knows what is right and wrong? Isn't it largely a matter 
of a person's background, their particular attitudes, their personal tastes. And metaphysics, well, that seemed too difficult. And as for logic, well, logic is a very elementary subject. And so philosophy was moved over into a corner. If you go to modern philosophy departments, you're very likely to find that what is taught is the history of philosophy. And that history of philosophy turns out to be a lot of very different and very confusing opinions. So a student may very well wonder, well, if all these very smart men and women couldn't agree with each other, this must be a field in which any real certainty is not possible. So the courses in the philosophy departments tend to be historical, or in the United States in particular, and in England, they pertain to one school of philosophy which originated in the last century called analytic philosophy. And analytic philosophy says that the business of philosophy is simply to clarify language, to clarify the language of the other disciplines. Now, no doubt, that is a very useful task. We all know in a university how hard it is for people in one field to talk to people in another field. They have different languages, as different as Scandinavian from French. So to promote intelligent discussion, it is very useful to analyze and clarify language. But that reduces philosophy to something relatively to a task which is important, but relatively small. And so philosophy does not have a great deal of importance in our university life. What is still worse is the fact that there now is a prominent school called deconstructionism. And deconstructionism says that Underneath the things we say, there is a hidden agenda. And so the problem then of philosophy becomes to expose the hidden agenda beneath language. That merely clarifying language won't do any good unless one looks under language to see what the person really means. And then you're likely to be shocked because what they really mean is something they can't say openly and honestly because they are trying to manipulate you in their own interest. Well, that still does not give to philosophy a very lofty role. If all it does is to expose the lies of other people, that can hardly be something worth studying. And it doesn't 
play a very positive role in helping faith seek understanding. And so what shall we say when we mean philosophy? Well, in these lectures, whenever I use the term philosophy, and I'm going to try to avoid it, but if I fall into the habit of using it, take it in the broadest possible sense. It includes everything that is studied in a modern university, except theology. And as you know, many of our universities don't have a department of theology. So it covers everything that the human being knows about his or her world and what is important in his or her world. All of that is philosophy. Now, the term philosophy, or philosophical, does have a use. And I've indicated a little bit about this already. That in every field, there is a beginning and there is an end, and there's a middle of study. The beginning are the foundations of the subject. For example, if you're taking a course in mathematics, there are certain things that you need to think about at the very beginning of the course because they're going to come up over and over and over again. They are the foundations of all of the details that you're going to learn. And as you go along, your understanding of those basic principles will deepen and improve. But you must have an accurate understanding, at least of a general sort, at the beginning, or all your knowledge will be distorted. Unfortunately, as I've already mentioned, many times our courses are presented with very little reflection on the foundations. For example, I picked up a textbook recently in physics, and very early in the physics course, you have terms like matter, energy, time, place, mass. And while formulas are given, with mathematical definitions of those terms. There was very little in this textbook asking what is the reality that those terms refer to? How did we get to these mathematical formulae? Little was said about that. And consequently, a student could go through the whole course with distorted ideas about fundamentals. So in a sense, we can use the term philosophical to refer to the reflection on the most basic things in a given discipline. That's the more philosophical part of it, but it is not separate from the rest of the discipline. It is the foundation of the discipline and it runs throughout all of the details of the discipline. 
And then there are the final questions that are being sought. Recently, I read a book by the Nobel laureate Steve Weinberg called The Dream of a Final Theory. And in that, he tries to raise those questions that are final in physics, where physics is ultimately going. And it has to have some idea about this. Otherwise, it can't keep working. You have to know where you're going to keep traveling toward it. You don't know exactly, but you have some notion of it. And philosophy, the philosophical approach to a discipline, is one which emphasizes the beginning and the end that are required to understand the middle details. So that's what we're going to be talking about in this course, is how our experience and human reason find basic understanding and raise ultimate questions which will be of help in our task of seeking an understanding of the faith. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.